Never had I had a game system so new that my friends didn't have yet. And I remember looking up at him with tears in my eyes saying, why did you do this to me? Like, just not really understanding it, but thinking, this guy's working his butt off for me to be happy. And those Christmas memories will always live with me of seeing unconditional love. Then there's times where I had that Xbox and played video games with my neighbor. And to this day, I've not spoken to my childhood friend as a neighbor because I told him that if he beat me one more time in fight night in boxing, he would never be allowed to come over again. And I wouldn't talk to him. And to this day, I have never talked to Zach Elpin. And I'm sorry if you're here. (laughs) When I was a child, for you guys that were here a couple weeks ago, this is something that's kind of been near and dear to my heart. I've been thinking about more about when I was a kid. Uh, my wife, Rebecca, and I had announced that we are going to be having a baby in the new year, which I'm very excited about. And uh, I know what you're thinking. What's it going to be? I'm, I, we're excited to announce today, human. And 100% mine. So I'm excited about that, too. So uh, I've been thinking about more of my childhood, thinking about... You know, my mindset's kind of changed since the idea of, of being a dad. It kind of hits you really quick. You think about things that you do, and you go, man, I can't, I can't do that anymore. You, things, you think about things you don't do, and you think, I've got to do that. I've got to be here. I've got to do this. I've got to be cautious of these things. Uh, You've got to be cautious of your habits and, and what you do. And uh, it's really been affecting me thinking, I've got to think about how the little things my parents did affected me in such ways and how to change my mindset. But not just in the sense of my mindset as a soon-to-be parent, but my mindset also as a believer. I gotta think about how I act and how I represent the God that I'm going to be introducing to my soon-to-be daughter or son. And that's a big introduction to make and a big responsibility, whether as their father or just as some stranger to introduce them to the, the idea of this God who knew them before I even knew their face, to this God who loved them before I can even fathom loving them. And sometimes I've been looking at my life and how I still act like a child. And I know that's hard for some of you to believe. I'm 27 years old and I work with high schoolers. How could he act like a child? And and unfortunately, it's true. Uh, I know that sometimes I act like a child um, because I'm still kind of I'm creative uh, with, my, with my coloring and the way I like to express myself. I know a lot of us when we were younger, how many of you guys used to color on the walls? You ever had that? I was too afraid to cover on the walls because I was afraid my grandma or mom would color me a different color. So I, I never colored well. So then in part, I still act like a kid. I just like to color my skin and it's just not rubbing off. Uh, so don't use Sharpie ever when you're coloring yourself. But I wanted to read a scripture about having that mindset of a child and a childlike faith. But before we dive into the scripture, let's give credit where credit is due. Amen. And let's, 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 let's pray to our King. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time that we have together. God, I'm thankful that I get to spend the last moments of 2018 with this family, with my family, with your family. God, I thank you so much for this opportunity more importantly, I thank you for the, provi- the provision you've been giving this building, this, this community. God, I pray that each and every one of us seek more to understand your ways. That we don't, we don't need to do much. You've laid out the path, but that we just continue to follow who we were called to be in you. And that we are exactly where we need to be as we further your mission to other people through the, the vessel that is this building and this location. 
but more importantly, the relationships that we build. So Lord, we love you and we praise you and we ask these things in your blessed and holy name. And all of God's people said, amen. If you guys have your Bibles, I want you to open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to be reading out of the ESV version of the Bible there. And uh, we're going to be talking about Paul when he talks about a reminiscence of when he was a child and some encouraging words that I thought we can really enjoy here um, at the year's end. Before we get going, though, I do want to take some time. Would you guys do me a favor and give a huge hand to Josh Axteen, to all the people here that have been setting up this amazing screen here that's so huge, all the stage and stuff. It's been awesome. And I'm excited that we actually can, you know, I feel like you guys are looking at me, but then there's this huge screen behind me, which is way more distracting. So I'm really excited. Maybe I could slip up a nose pick or something, but I'm really happy that we have that. But if you guys are in your Bibles, again, verse Corinthians chapter 13, that's going to be up here on the screen. And it says here, love never ends. Amen? What a great start to that. Love never ends. If there's nothing that you guys take away from 2018, I hope that going into a new year, that's something that we remember, that love never ends, that our God is a God of love. He represents love. He is the very reason we even understand love. And that he, if love never ends, neither do we, as long as we abide in him, which is so awesome. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Now this is something that's a little unsettling to me. One thing I cannot stand more than anything, and my wife can attest to it, I hate not knowing things. I do not like it when someone asks me a question and I do not know the answer. I don't like it when people make plans and then they say, so what are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't even know what the situation is. In fact, I'm so bad with this that when my friends come to me and ask for advice, I have to preface it by saying, are you asking me what I would do in this situation if I somehow hypothetically got in your situation or if I was you with all your issues and all of your personality traits and I was in that situation in the same time frame? What are you asking me? And by that time, they just go, you know, I'm just going to ask somebody else. And hopefully carries it on. <laughs> so I, I hate not knowing. In fact, I think it's annoying because my wife will always ask me questions or she, she'll say, you know, oh, this is this way. And rather than thinking, oh, really? Why do you think that? Or asking opinions, I, I, just, I just pull up my phone and just Google it. And I'll go, there. I won't even have to say words. She'll say something and I'll just do this. And she'll go like, thanks. You know, and I'm like, you're welcome. That's what I'm here for, you know. And I hate not knowing things. I love knowledge to a sense because even when it came to my walk with, with Christ, it wasn't so much a feeling that led me to him, but just the research and the knowledge of this makes the most sense. But in here, Paul is saying that those prophecies, they will pass away. And as for knowledge, it will pass away as well. It's scary that knowledge is, is just part of it. And foolish of me to even say uh, to my wife is, is, I remember saying to her, I think I'm ready to be a dad. Before we were thinking about having children and stuff, I was like, I'm ready to be a dad. And she goes, why is that? And I go, I've read all the books. I've read the articles, and I've read, I've read the books, and I, I know what we need to buy. I've mapped it out. Uh, financially, we should put them on a strict budget. And uh, for you Dave Ramsey people, put that envelope system for that baby, and uh, we'll be golden. What else is there to do? I don't know why people stress about this. 
And uh, the beautiful thing about a child is no matter what happens to our child, that's something that I always thought about. It was a fear of mine, is what if something's wrong? And there's many times where I think, what if something's wrong? What if I do something wrong? What if, what if something goes wrong? What if something, what if they don't understand, what if they don't get my humor? What if I'm, you know, what if they're not, they don't speak the same language as me? What if they come out and they don't speak my primary tongue of sarcasm and they get hurt? What am I supposed to say? They're just going to hate me forever? I get nervous of these things, but the more that now that it's coming, I realize the one thing that's for sure is no matter what, as this child comes in to my life, they will be perfect the way God intended them. But when the perfect comes, the partial will fade away. The knowledge and the research kind of goes out the window. I remember reading these books thinking, the first thought I had is, my mom never did this. My grandma never did this either. My dad didn't do this. Like, no wonder they didn't feel good. No wonder I turned out this way. You know, they should have just read the book, you know. And uh, now I was telling my wife the other day, the thing that burns into my mind, and I literally had nightmares about it, is this image of my grandmother and my mom and when I would argue with them as a teenager, maybe you remember arguing with your parents. Maybe you didn't argue with your parents as a teenager. Maybe you were just like the perfect child. But I argued with my parents all the time. And most of the time, I would just like, like to poke holes in their logic and stuff. And I'll never forget this image that burns in my mind. Now I wake up in a cold sweat of them telling me, I can't wait till you have your own kids. <laughs> and it's just like I'm arguing with this like youth student. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, whatever, dad. I'm like, oh, they were right. You know, I'm freaking out. And it freaks me out in my faith life as well because I think how much of my life am I acting like a child and I say I know something, but when it comes time for God to call me to something, I'm acting like a child. And I'm filling myself up with things that are partial. The next part of the scripture in verse 11 reads here on the screen. It says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought as a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And that's something that has been happening, I've seen in this life that I have, is I have to think about the way that I communicate with people. I, sometimes the way I communicate is, I guess you could say, um, it's, it's very tricky it's very um, calculated. My wife would call it manipulative. And where I love to, like, to try to find my way around words to get out of situations. And I really couldn't do that with a child. That's a childish tactic to a child. It's like fighting fire with fire. And uh, I've been thinking in my life, in the, in the ways that I speak like a child, that I talk like a child, I act like a child, and the way I reason like Today, what I want to ask you all is, where in our walks and our identity in Christ are we living in the partial and are we living in the fullness and the perfectness of God? Sometimes in our relationship with God, we can be delusional. I know maybe some of us have had this before where we've encountered somebody that is in the, with another fellow believer, and I've, and I've been there before where you, you, you're talking to them and they really need some help. They're just like, yeah, things are going a little rough here. Um, I quit my job because it was just too stressful. 
I'm talking about millennials for you older people, so you can really come in on this. Yeah, they, I, I know a lot of friends that say, well, I hated my job, so I quit my job. Um, it's like, oh, yeah, where are you working now? Uh, nothing lined up, nothing lined up. And I'm moving out of my parents' house. I'm like, with your savings? What's a savings? Okay, okay. I'm, I'm sweating here now. And uh, they're just sitting like, oh, yeah, you know, I just trust God's going to provide. Are you going to any interviews? No, he's just going to provide. <laughs> and you're thinking in your mind like, oh, I'll be praying for you. But in your mind, you're like, what are you doing? And I think about how ridiculous we sound sometimes in our faith life where we think God will take care of it or we think God wants me to have this. If he didn't want me to have it, he'd take it away. And we almost trick ourselves into believing such a ridiculous feat by running from God, hiding the partial until the perfect one who always finds us finds us and exposes that. And then we wonder why our lives are so empty sometimes. In fact, one of the most ridiculous things I did in my life is when I was a child. And I realized that you do ridiculous things for your children. For example, you know, now that I'm going to be a parent, I was, you know, talking to my wife. We're wrapping presents for our family. She goes, pretty soon we're going to have to be signing these, you know, to Santa. And I go, that's ridiculous. Or one of the things that my 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 wife's side of the family, they, and my wife does, is I'll get a gift, and my wife will give me the gift, and I go, oh, thank you. She goes, it's not for me. It's from Django, which is our 100-pound black lab. And I think, if he bought me this gift and wrapped this gift, we need to go on America's Got Talent. I'm quitting my job tomorrow. We have hit the big time. And I'm looking at this dog. He's holding his little just smushy face like, you are my golden goose. And she goes, no, I wrapped it. Pretty soon we're up to do stuff like that. And I think, that's ridiculous. And she goes, your parents didn't do anything ridiculous like that? And I thought to myself, no. And then I was reminded by my family that when I was a child, most normal kids have superhero, you know, kind of crush things. You know, they're like, I love these people. And uh, when I was a child, I believed that Usher, R&B Grammy, or Grammy Award singer, was amazing. And I believed, when I wrote him a letter one time, he wrote me back saying we were best friends. <laughs> and so I went from like third grade to fifth grade telling people, me and Grammy Award winning R&B singer Usher are best friends. I draw him pictures of him. I'll watch him on MTV. Like, on the make, like, like you make me want a music video and I'm drawing it, putting in a letter like, hey, best friend, I drew you a picture today. School's kind of rough. They didn't have chicken fingers. There you go. And he'd write me back like, oh, that sucks. That's there. And I'd, I feel so bad because I'd write sad things too. Like, hey, Usher, no one sat with me at lunch today, but I know if you were here, you'd sit next to me. Love you, Joe. And uh, he'd write back, that's okay, all this stuff. Then I got older, and not until high school, not until high school, my mom says, oh, I remember when you used to write letters to Usher and I have to write back as Usher. And I went, Usher didn't write me back? I was so, I was literally like, what is, are you kidding me? I used to tell people I knew Usher. Even casually, I think like in eighth grade, someone was talking about something and he came out with like, let it burn. And I'm like, I know him. No big deal. We were pen pals. I got the letters, drew him some pictures. It was pretty sweet, you know. And then he, sometimes he'd send me pictures back, but I realized they're just magazine clippings that my mom would clip out and just give to me. And I'm thinking, wow, he took a headshot for me. <laughs> then I got older and I saw this picture and I thought, this little kid thought that this was his best friend. 
this looks like something that Chris Hansen would cover at this point and not like a real friendship, but it's ridiculous to think. And I think about how that was such a big part of my life for a season. I look back on it and think how ridiculous when I was a child. But then I think about how we do the same thing. Maybe some of you guys aren't pen pals with a Grammy award-winning R&B singer and amazing pop locker. Maybe some of you guys fill voids in your life that you hide from what could be real. You take those partials, you make them reality. And sometimes we hold on to things just for the reason of excuse or sometimes for reasons of being afraid to change of who we become. We almost become married to the partials. And when you're married to partials, you'll never be full. You'll be empty. There'll be gaps. There'll be spaces. And the thing that's the most annoying is God is offering fullness. When he says the perfect comes, when I come into your life, the partials will go away. They won't be so deeply rooted. They'll be easier to let go. You see, one of the examples that was, was kind of given to me is if our life was this transparent jar, each one of these things here would be these partials. Now, as much as I could fill this jar up with partials, even if I got it overflowing with partials, the things that we put inside to give us fullness, to make us have the illusion of full, of grown, of depth, as we say, whatever other Christianese word you like to use, there will always be gaps. There will always be empty space. And we all know when we're honest with ourselves and we look ourselves in the mirror, we see the gaps that no one else sees. We can waltz in here on a Sunday morning, on a Tuesday Bible study, on a Tuesday youth group, at a women's event, at a men's breakfast, whatever it is, and feel like the partials are really overflowing in there. And we can come in there bragging, just coming in that God is good, everything's good, all my, I have all my partials, I have, I've got family, my family's not fighting as much, that's awesome, uh, I've got, you know, a, a steady job, and I, I like that it pays me money, do I feel passionate about it, do I feel like this is what God calls me to, yup, for sure, you know, we think about all these things, like, yes, I have this, uh, I have this good, this good person, kind of persona going for me. People think I'm a good person. And then sometimes we get deeper where we'll hold on to the partials that are really at the bottom to make excuses. Well, one of the reasons I don't do that is because, you know, my, my parents got divorced when I was younger. It was real nasty. And, and that's, that's, that's why I can't really put, make any room for anything else or, or you know, I haven't, I haven't spoken to my siblings in, in decades. I've lost so much, or, you know, when I was younger, someone that I, that I was close to, I had a best friend who died, and it wasn't fair. You know, I remember feeling this way, too, thinking that, you know, it, it was one thing when, when my parents separated, and then my dad could never seem to remember August 9th, August 9th, August 9th on his birthday, and I held on to that as a partial saying, well, I can't, I can't be a good dad because I've got this in here, so that's, that's why, that's my excuse. Sorry, son, sorry, daughter. Daddy's got some issues too, so I don't know what you want me to do. I had some issues here of just thinking about why I think the way I do 
because sometimes I have to take medications. I, I, I have to hold this on. I have an excuse. And we keep going on and just saying, well, I've, I've always struggled with this sin. And the only person that's ever helped me was, was, was my grandma. But then God gives my grandma cancer, and now I don't know what I'm going to do, so I can't, I can't do that. And we just keep filling our lives with the partials and sitting there. And then when it comes time for God to say, make way for the perfect to come, we go, we got about that much space for you, God. You think you could fit? And he says, no, the partial's got to go away. They're going to come and they're going to go. And we think, how's that going to work? Because we hold our lives with a tight seal at the top, and we go, yeah, I don't want that. Because what if, what if you take them out and I'm empty? Everyone's going to know I'm empty. Or we think that if, if, if God was going to give us fullness, we think he'll only give us a little bit. And then compared to the partials, we'll look at that and go, that, that, I want all this again. This was better. I like this. This looks cooler. I like what they have when they come to church. I like their family. I like their car. I like how their parents sit by them at church. I love how I see them sitting as a family across the street at In-N-Out, and they're laughing all together like it's some sitcom from the 90s, which the students would never know because they don't know anything about the 90s. Because Joe told me the scenario is after church now, just letting you know. I like, I like this better. This seems cool. I get a little bit of you, but still more me. But what if? What happens when we just completely unhinge the lid? What happens when we say, God, I want the fullness of you. The more and more that we do it, it overflows. And then, in fact, what my favorite part about it is these things just start to push themselves out. And the more that he fills it in, and the more we get patient, it starts to overflow and overflow and overflow. And I love that as the deep calls deep to overflow, the outpouring of the grace of God. I want that fullness because the beauty of all this that overflows is for the ones that I love. I have to let go of the partials. And so do we. Because someone's going to need to be filled up with the overflow. And this overflow that I see that I need to have that drips from the side pours out onto my wife. It pours out into my son or my daughter. It pours out to my mother, my, my father, my siblings, my uncle, my cousin, my everything. And the best part about this, the best part about this is when you try to take a partial and you try to bring back that issue when that birthday comes around and dad doesn't call, when the anniversary of the death of someone you care about comes back and you used to make that identity, when your family is fighting and you're sleeping on the couch, when all those things happen and you want to deeply shove it back into the jar, no matter how hard you try, it will always just be a surface thing. That God won't let it back in so that you never are full or partial, that you'll never truly be empty, always full, always an adult. My favorite part about this is you're always transparent. You can always see every little molecule, every little thing that makes you, you. It's no longer defined by the partials inside. People don't look at that. They simply look at the glass and go, this glass. 
that's Joe. That's the God, that's the, that's the Joe God wanted Joe to be. And this could be you, and it's all different shapes and sizes. It could be vases, it could be small cups, it could be shot glasses, it could be mason jars, it could be anything. Now it's more focused on the, the craftsmanship of this glass that a God would perfectly make. And I don't know about you, whenever I have to fight with my, my teenage son or daughter, I hope that stays on the surface of their lives from the overflow that I got to pour into there. I hope that when I disagree on how we should parent our child, my wife and I can't make room for it. I hope that when, when I'm deciding whether or not I want to do something because I don't think I'm a good enough father, I hope that continues to not make its way into the true fullness and that I can just let God keep pouring into my life and pouring and pouring and pouring until nothing can deeply root itself into my heart like when I was a child. Because when I was a child and I was filled with partials, I reasoned like a child. I said, well, that's not fair. I don't like that. Or that's not fair. Mom says this, Dad says this, that's not fair. I'm just a kid. When I was a child, I thought like a child. I thought that the partials were were Grammy-nominated R&B artists that were my friends when I could see that I, I can truly see when I look through the glass who all my friends are, who all my family is. When I was a child, I reasoned like a child saying that this is, this is just water. And this looks prettier and more colorful. In reality, this this is full, full. Bursting at the seams. That this glass would break. It would expand everywhere and spill onto the floor and, and cover more ground than it does in this jar. Just like the vassals of our God who would continue to, to spread out in the overflow. Friends, are we acting like children in some areas? What is your partial? And I know this is, it sounds stereotypical or cliche to say, in the new year, let's, let's get new year, new me's, and do away with the partials. This one's losing weight here, and this one's quitting smoking, and, and this one's just cutting out gluten everything, you know? <laughs> now, I'm talking about real partials. It doesn't take some big event. And I've been realizing that. I thought, well, because I'm becoming a dad, there's all these big events. This big event is making me have to act this way. And then the more I've been praying to God about it, and the more I've been looking at my life, I stopped to think, what stopped me from doing this before? Nothing. I did. Because I was a child. I pray that today that you have the conversations with the people who have taken up space in your heart. And that they no longer become a partial, but they can become a part of the fullness and the perfectness of God's story in your life. I pray today that you go home with your family and you tell them exactly how you feel. Not just about them, but about how you feel when it comes to your identity 
I used to think about all the things that I would do when I had a child. I remember arguing with my parents. I remember hoping some of my parents would call. I remember those things, and I remember being in my room or in the garage, which is my room for most of my life, and laying in my pillow thinking, I can't wait till I'm a parent. I'm not going to be like them. And then when I started to get serious about it and I was an adult, I used to think when I'm, when I'm older, I'm going to do these things. And I even started to realize the more I thought about it, the things that I wanted to do with my child weren't even because they were what's best for my child. It's because I wanted to make up for the partials that I held on to. Oh, when I'm with my child, I'm going to tell them the biggest birthdays, the most expensive birthdays. It's going to be like Sweet 16, the television show, every birthday. It's going to be amazing. And it's like, well, I keep doing that, then the birthdays aren't as special. Am I really doing that because I'm that excited? Am I doing that because I want to make up for all the ones that people didn't call me? And so then I have to talk about that with my wife going, I want to. I want to make sure that our, our child just has the best birthdays. I guess that they know that they're loved and people care about them. At the end of the day, you start to see the expectations that you have on your, your own children or your own family dissipate, kind of be washed clean. I expect nothing from any of my siblings or my family, even my friends. The only thing I expect from my child and I expect from all of you is that you be the best you that God wanted you to be. Because when I look at my life now, there was part of me that thought that I was still a child. I'm a 27-year-old tattooed man with tattoos on his head who plays with high school and middle school kids still. I have a baby on the way, and I sometimes live in a van not down by the river, but, but on the road for weeks at a time with other guys playing rock and roll and sweating all the sweat. I'm not ready to be a dad, and I think about it going, I'm exactly the Joe God wanted me to be. I used to think it was and or, but then you can be surprised how much God can really fulfill your life. I'm husband Joe. I'm a son, Joe. I'm a brother, Joe. I'm a musician, Joe. I'm a minister, Joe. Now a father, Joe. But all that means to God is Joe, Joe. I, Joe. And I want you to live your lives going into the next year knowing that God knows you by my child. He's growing up before my eyes. But that takes us to take a leap of faith and step out and say, I want to be made full. So as we close out today, I'm going to invite the band back up and McKay's going to lead us and the ushers will come forth and take the, the offerings here. I hope that as you worship here today and we leave today, that you come to a place with God where you don't question whether or not part of your faith is childlike. Not in the good sense, but just immature or hiding or afraid. That you come knowing 
that the God of the universe had a plan for you and that you're earnestly seeking him. You're not holding on to any partials, but the partials are slowly making their way to the surface. And when he comes, and he's coming again, he'll be able to dust them off and you will be there presented before him. without any partials to distract. So Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time we have together. God, I just pray that in these moments, God, that uh, I pray that we find a way, God, to have the conversations, to have the talks, to do all that we need to do, to no longer feel as if we're partial, that we're not full. God, we just want to be who you want us to be. It doesn't matter our jobs or our titles or our stature with our, our spouses. There's no wins, losses with people. There's no rat race with you, God. We are equals. All a part to play. Help us to accept that part and to be happy that we are doing that part. That's true fullness. We want to be full. We want to be so full that it, it outpours onto other people and it wakes up other people in this valley where we're at to come and say, all I have to be is me when I come here. And then we could start to continue to pour out onto them and say, it's not just here, it's everywhere. It's with God. since we were a child to now and forevermore. We ask this in your name. Amen. Lord bless you as you give.